Don't I have the best job in the world? I mean, those kids are just awesome. I just want to thank you all for the opportunity to serve them. As we get started this morning, I want to thank you for the opportunity to share God's Word with you. As I studied and searched and prayed for what God wanted me to share this morning, God kept bringing up children and parents to me. I might step on some toes this morning, but let me tell you, the biggest toes I'm going to step on are my own. After I've been doing some soul searching and and going through this, uh, the sermon that I'm going to preach this morning, I've been stepping on my toes the most. I want to share some troubling statistics with you concerning what's going on with our American children. These are from the Children's Fund Organization. First of all, I'm going to let you know how many kids there are in the United States of America. As of 2014, there were 73.6 million children under the age of 18. By the year 2030, that's going to grow to 76.3 million kids. Wow. The troubling part is what I'm fixing to tell you. Every nine seconds, a high school student drops out of school. By the time I'm finished here this morning with my sermon, that's 180 kids. Every 26 seconds, a child runs away from home. That's 60 kids in the next 30 minutes. In 30, every 35 seconds, a child is confirmed abuse or neglect. Again, that's 60 kids by the time I'm done. Every four minutes, a child is arrested for drug abuse. That's eight of our children. Every five hours, a child or a teen takes his own life. Do these numbers surprise you? It surprised me. I didn't think it was that bad already. Today we're celebrating our children and what they have accomplished, and we're going to focus on caring for our kids. Kids, this sermon is for you as much as it is for your mom and dad. We all have these books and seminars that we go to and packets and pamphlets on raising kids. But you know what? We got the best thing. There's four verses in here in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 that tells us all we need to know. Before I continue, I'd like to pray for our service. Dear Lord, please open our eyes and our ears and our hearts for what you have for us to hear today. Dear Lord, if I step on any toes this morning, including my own, please don't let it be a condemning effect. Please let, know, let the person know that it's just, I'm sharing what God has to say for them. And that maybe they just need to open their eyes. And maybe they just, we just need all, not just I, but we need to listen to what you're telling us. Our world is changing so rapidly, and we just need to focus on your word. Dear Lord, I pray that I just uh, preach these words clearly and soulfully, soulfully search for what you have for me in your word, as well as everyone else. In your holy name I pray. Excuse me, I'm fighting a cold, so I might be drinking some water. We're going to be looking in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. 
If you have your Bible app on your iPad or iPhone, I'm using the HCSB version. If you do not have a Bible and you need a Bible, if you're visiting with us today, we're awesome. great, great that you're here to visit with us. Uh, there's a Bible in the pew. Uh, you're welcome to take that with you. Uh, I'll be on page 829 in that Bible. So we're going to be in Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents as you would the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may have a long life in the land. All right, dads, here it comes. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Maybe you're not a parent this morning, but you're still a kid. You're, chi- you're a child of God, our faithful Heavenly Father. And as His children, we have the joy of relating to a Father that never leaves us, never hurts us, and never, ever gives up, song, gives up on us. Now, if you are a parent, you have an awesome privilege. Billy Graham couldn't say it any better. Children will invariably talk, eat, walk, think, respond, and act like their parents. Give them a target to shoot at. Give them the goal to work toward. Give them a pattern that they can clearly see. And you give them something that gold and silver will never be able to buy. We are entrusted with the moldable, changeable, and unpredictable little persons who grow up so quickly. Yes, there are those times, those really difficult times, when you might want a parent like Mark Twain did. He said, when a kid turns 13, stick him in a barrel, nail the lid top, and feed him through the little knot hole. When he turns 16, you're going to get a big cork, and you're going to plug that hole. But we all know, me included, with a son like Sam and Ryan and Ben that all come over to my house, there is no way... We can give them enough food in that little hole for them to survive. (laughs) We feed them, we clothe them, we house them. This is the practical side of parenting. But much more importantly, we should feed them God's word, clothe them with prayers, and house them in a spiritual, God-honoring home. Proverbs 22.6 says it great. Teach a youth about the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I found a poem that pretty well explains that verse. It's pretty long, so just stay with me. But most importantly, listen to what it has to say. It was a poem written by Dorothy Law Nolte. And it says this, if a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he's going to learn to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, he's going to learn to be shy. If a child lives with shame, he's going to learn to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, he's going to learn to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns to be confident. If a child lives with praise, he learns to appreciate. 
If a child lives with fairness, he learns justice. If a child lives with security, he learns to have faith. If a child lives with approval, he learns to like himself. If a child lives with acceptance and friendship, he lives to find love in the world. If these thoughts are true, what are we teaching our kids? What voice are we, you obeying as an parent? Is it the pop psychology going around? The latest videotapes we just purchased on late night TV? Is it nothing at all? Are we flying by the seat of, your, of our pants, your pants? If we believe this is true, we have the best book ever written. To, be, to help us be parents God wants us to be. It's an all-time bestseller, and it's right here. It's called God's Word. As we recall some verses, specifically verse 1 through 3, children, obey your parents as you would the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you may have a long life in the land. As we're going to break those down and we're going to take them each separately. All these verses are talking about God's authority. And our first point is going to be the Bible teaches that children, kids, you listening, are under authority. There it is, kids. God's word to kids. Obey your parents. Hey, back balcony. Obey your parents. Wouldn't it be great if the world would experience the obedience ruled and over the ruled the land? Our world denies any form of authority. But the Bible has at least four. We have God, Dad, Mom, and the church. Now notice Paul isn't addressing the parents here. He doesn't say, hey, you parents, have your kids obey. Instead, he speaks directly to the kids. But it's not just the children who are young and dependent. This is just not for younger children but refers to any person living under your parents' household. If you're 9 or 19 or 3 or 23, if you're living under your mom and dad's roof, you're eating their food, you're using their bathroom, then this word of God is for you. Obey your mom and dad. It's that simple. Our second point is, the Bible teaches that God is the ultimate authority. Isn't life much more fulfilling in the Lord Jesus Christ? A Christian home is supposed to be in the Lord. That's the environment, the atmosphere, the climate of the Christian home, of your home, my home, under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Experiencing his love, extending his grace. This is what we see a picture as children relating with our Heavenly Father. God is a father, and we are submitted to him. If your kids are to obey you, then I have to ask, are you obeying your father? In order to see our kids obey, they must see us obey. They follow everything we do. Yet there's another way of looking at this, 
And the key is, obey your parents in the Lord according to the Lord's will. Follow through with your parents' direction, and it is the Lord. If a parent tells a child to do something that's contrary to the heart of Jesus, that isn't of the Lord. He or she is not obligated to do it. Jesus would never have a child hide abuse, cower in fear. No way would we ask our child to go into McDonald's and steal our dinner for tonight. This sounds almost too simple, too easy, and too simplistic. Yet our homes become so spiritually powerful when wives submit to their husbands, husbands love their wives, and children obey their parents. The success is peace and a powerful witness. It's that simple. I like how verse 1 ends, because this is right. Obedience is in the home is obedience in the home is proper. It's good, it's wholesome, it's right. Respect and obedience are the bedrocks of any home, any society, or any relationship. You know what's not right? Rebellion. Absentee parents, homes that are run by kids, and homes that don't have no dads. One area I'm concerned with over the past few years is the wave of kids, mainly teenagers, refusing to come to church. They have so many excuses. I don't like the youth group. Reads mean to me. We all know that's not true. I don't listen to the sermon. It's boring. I don't like that church. I don't like that church. I don't like any church. So here goes mom and dad. They go walking out the door and leave son and daughter at home. As soon as they slam that door, there goes the TV. And do we think it's going to be on the Disney Channel? No. It's going to be on MTV, watching videos. They're going to flip on the computer. They're going to surf the net. And we know what's on the net. Whatever they may do, it's not going to be spiritually nourishing. Perhaps they have learned from an example. Moms and dads, bring your kids to church. Under your roof, church is not an option. It shouldn't be optional for them. An area that I've been praying for as a parent, giving up church on Sundays for sports and other activities. Some Sundays I pass by Manchester Village down the road and the soccer, full, soccer fields are full of kids and with moms and dads on the sidelines. With Sam and baseball, we face some of the same decisions, a baseball game or church. I can tell you, with the coach's eyes wide open, we chose church. Why? Our kids' sport, sports programs and our kids' extra extracurricular activities, these things cannot take over the worship of God. Now, this is coming from my heart, and I do not want to condemn anyone. I know there are special occasions when our children cannot be in church on Sunday and Wednesday. We want our children to be well-rounded. But years ago, organizations used to recognize church 
and would not interrupt that schedule. They would not hold practices on Wednesday. They wouldn't hold games on Sunday. But today's culture, we always, they always want to choke out the church. We need to teach our children that church is a priority to you, and that will make it a priority to them. They learn by example. We're going to look at Matthew 6, 31 through 32. So don't worry saying, what will I eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For thy daughters eagerly seek all those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. I look at that verse as a whisper of the devil. Oh, you can miss a Sunday. You can skip that message. You can skate by without the word of God. The question is not X versus the church. The question is how you make church the priority you would like it to be. Period. Now our third point is this. Obedient children receive blessings from the authority. Honor your father and mother. Why? Because there's a great big promise attached. We're going to re- look at Exodus 20 through 20, 20, 12. Honor your father and mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. In the day back then, if a kid messed up, they could stone him right there. There was a Roman law, Petraea Petate. Potatus, the father power. Under that law, the father had absolute power over his family. He could sell them as slaves. He could make them in the, work in the fields even with chains on. He could punish as he liked. He could even inflict the death penalty. When a child was born, it was placed before his father's feet. And as the father stooped and lifted the child, that meant he acknowledged it and wished it to be kept. But if he turned and walked away, that meant that he refused to acknowledge the child and could quite literally be thrown out. Good thing we don't live in that day. The word honor literally means to give honor. Excuse me, give value. Honor value, cherish your parents. They are God's gift to children. Children, did you hear that? Your parents are a gift from God. They love you, they guide you, they lead you, and they instruct you. And so as, a ch- so as children obey their parents, value and honor their parents, there are blessings. Now there are times when mom and dad might be making some real interesting or confusing decisions. Maybe they're struggling with their walk with the Lord. Maybe they're doing what just isn't right. But even if they are making wrong decisions, if you obey and honor them, you will become the right person. All right, our fourth point. Dads, be ready. Fathers are to demonstrate relating 
to the authority. Paul closes this section addressing directly the dad. He says, fathers, don't provoke your children. Some say this is referring to both parents, and it can. But right now, this is stepping on my toes. This is a hard one for me sometimes. And Kelly is always reminding me of this verse to wake me up. I look at it as this teasing and giving my boys a hard time. Well, dads, that's wrong. Especially when you provoke the anger. Many times lately I've had to apologize. So, dads, here we go. There's a lot, here's some ways that we can provoke our kids that we need to not do. Smother them. Never giving them a chance to take chances. Favoritism. Favoring one kid over another. Comparing our kids with someone else's kids. Pushing their achievement beyond reasonable bounds. Discouraging them. Teasing and taunting them. Not showing affection. Not letting them know what gifts of God you see in them. Guys, we only get kids for a short time, and once it's over, it's over. There's a legend of a medieval sidewalk superintendent who asked three masons on a construction project what they were doing. The first one replied that he was laying bricks. The second described as building a great big wall. But the third laborer demonstrated genuine esteem in what he was doing, and for his, he said, I'm raising a great cathedral. Well, we're going to pose that same question to fathers concerning their role in the family. And you're liable to get the same kind of contrast. The first dad might say, well, I'm working hard and supporting my family. The second dad's going to see things differently and say, I'm raising my kids, but even deeper, I'm fulfilling the Great Commission. What's that mean? Well, the former looks at his job as putting bread on the table. The second dad says, sees things in God's perspective, and he is participating in the shaping of lives of his kids. So we end this section with a positive command. Instead of provoking our kids, let's nurture them, dads. You might be surprised at the root of the word. It literally means to discipline them. So there is discipline and instruction needed in the home. We all know that. Correction, reproof, encouragement are all involved on occasion. We even have to spank a rear end or two. Dads, you're the chief discipliner, or a better way of putting it, that you are discipling your kids in the way of Jesus. In a, in a Ramsey Court, in Ramsey Court, Minnesota, some ninth and 10th graders were interviewed recently about their dads. They were asked this question. What comes to mind when you think of the word dad? Some of the answers came in on both ends of the spectrum. One end was, when I think of dad, I think of the word jerk. Other thoughts of the words were angry, mad, and absent. On the other hand, some of the young people said, 
when they thought of dad, they think of holiness, kindness, security, and safety. Dads, the word dad is an immensely powerful word. What do your kids think of when they hear the word dad? In closing, what's awesome is that we have the perfect example. We have a father that is selfless and sacrificial. He gave us his very best so that we can do our very best. He nurtures us. He instructs us, teaches us, and most importantly, disciplines us. He never gives up on us and is always encouraging us to higher levels of love and grace. He is faithful, reliable, dependable, but most importantly, he is consistent. I have a joke for you since we've been talking about the commandment of obeying your parents. A Sunday school teacher was discussing the Ten Commandments with her five and six years old. After explaining the commandment to honor thy father and mother, she asked, hey, is there a commandment about, obey, uh, is there a commandment about how you treat your brothers and sisters? One boy's hand went up just like that. He didn't miss a beat. He said, thou shall not kill. <laughs> so dads and moms, we mess it up at home. We make mistakes, we say the wrong words, and we do the wrong things. But God is ready to forgive. He's ready to help and support you. Your church family is here to support you. So go home today, humble yourself before your kids, and ask them for forgiveness. Hug them, love them, and affirm them in Jesus. On the personal note of asking your kids for forgiveness. Dads, it's very important when you make a promise or you don't keep your promise or you don't do what you were going to say or do, you need to apologize to your kids and ask for forgiveness. It's something I just recently started doing. And even though it's hard to admit that you made a mistake, it's going to mean something to your child. So I challenge you today, as you're raising your families, if you make a mistake, if you don't keep a promise, please ask your kids for forgiveness. But secondly all, make church a priority in your home. They are following your example. If you don't make church a priority, your kids are not going to make church a priority. Thank you for letting me share in God's word with you today. I'm going to pray for it right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for letting me share this with everyone today. Dear Lord, I hope uh, you stepped on my toes as I was studying. Dear Lord, if I stepped on anyone's toes in the congregation, I didn't do it meaningfully. Uh, I did it with uh, condemnation, and I just uh, wanted them to hear what God has to say. Dear Lord, if there's anyone here that does not have a personal relationship with you, uh, they don't 
know the gospel. They don't know who you are. Dear Lord, I pray that as uh, Troy is playing, the worship band is playing the music, that I'll be down on the floor. They can come talk to us. Lord, I pray that there's a family here that wants to make Northside their home, that they can come down and talk to us and uh, we can get them going. Dear Lord, most importantly, if there's any dad here or any mom here that just needs a loving hand or someone to pray for them, please have them come down and let me pray for them. In your holy name I pray, amen.